Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, compassionate caregivers. I'm Martha Tyler. And I am Katie Anderson. We are the hosts of the Compassionate Caregiver Podcast. We believe the most profound impact we can have on the lives of children is by supporting, educating, and caring for the people who care for the children. And that is you! Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Hi, Katie. Hello, Martha. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing great because I've been hanging out with you. Yep, I feel the same way. So what are we talking about this week, Katie? Well, speaking of hanging out, Martha, we're talking about building relationships. Oh, thanks my for asking. Gosh. <laughs> How yeah. serendipitous of us. Yes. And when we say relationships, what are we talking? We're talking everything because my friendly listeners, compassionate caregivers out there and friend Martha, what <laughs> we're doing is when we build relationships, this is Uh, with other adults in the lives of the children we care for. If you're the nanny, it's the relationship with the parents in the household, other co-caregivers. If you're the parent, it could be your co-parent or your spouse or whoever it is that you are working with, or it's building a relationship with the child in your life. And that teaches them to build relationships as well. So we're going to be talking about skills and tactics and um, sort of social, emotional, pro-social skills that you can use and employ in these relationships with other adults that will model for the children how to behave. And you can use these with the children in your care as well. Yes. And then they will use them with you and with other children they interact with. Yes. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful cycle, like an upward spiraling cycle of like the more you model it, the more they pick up on it. Yes. The stronger your relationship becomes. Yes. And, and that by they, I mean anyone. Yeah, a- absolutely. Adults pick up on it as well. It takes one stone in the emotional river or mm-hmm. I guess lake, something still. It takes one stone in the pond to change the whole ripple of how people interact. So, And you see that with one person in the family system going to therapy. That changes the whole family system because it changes sure how that person responds, which changes how they get responded to. Mm-hmm. And that is really powerful. And as we discussed in our January episode, Martha, who can we control? Only ourselves. Only ourselves. Only ourselves. It sometimes feels uh, hard, that bit of knowledge. But yes, and sometimes it feels like I can't even control yeah. myself. <laughs> sometimes. So, yes. But that's something that is important to keep in mind as you work on building relationships. So we're going to talk about some skills you can use, um, really practicable, practicable. Yeah. Yeah. Actionable steps that you can use that will not overtax you. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's really not that hard. It's a change, but it, it is something that is definitely worthwhile and going to bring a lot of value and joy to you and the people you have relationships with. Yes. And I will also say just as the the work that I am doing now as a therapist, um, this is one of the number one things that I am seeing yes. in my clients of all ages is that it feels extremely daunting mm-hmm. to build relationships now because we are out of practice. Yeah, we left we left the pandemic and we were like, how do I people again? Yep, how do I? Because I don't know about you, but like after being around a lot of people or people that I haven't seen in a while, I am definitely feeling that like collapse when I come back home. Welcome to the introvert world, Martha. (laughs) Martha is, I would say, extraordinarily extroverted. Yeah. And I am... Less so now than when we met. The pandemic helps with that. And so does age. Um, And grad school will help you with that as well. Oh my gosh, yes. But I am very introverted Mm -hmm. and people are often surprised because I like people. Being introverted doesn't mean you don't like people or you don't connect with people or you're not socially capable. It means that you have a smaller threshold for stimulus. Yeah. So whether that means like, like I cannot be out at a bar usually or a party for more than like two, two and a half hours without being like, I need to go hide somewhere in the bathroom for five minutes where no (laughs) one talks to me and I am quiet because we need time to process. And I think that 
a lot of people, like you said, are coming out of this time of great seclusion mm-hmm. and really struggling to re-engage. Yeah. Um, and we were so online right. at that time because that's how we could still connect. Yeah. And now trying to disengage from that online presence mm-hmm. because being online is actually, it, it creates more connection but it um, reduces intimacy. Yes. And so you're more connected than ever, but you don't have a closeness with these people. And it, that is very isolating yep. and very hard. So how do we rebuild these relationships in real life and yep. teach our children in our care and really just receive the joy and benefits? That's, that's like a long-term return that you will be so grateful for yes. down the road. Yes, exactly. And then one last thing before we like really start getting into the practicable stuff is that um, I just want to encourage you that as you are on this journey, remembering that if you mess up, it is not like the end of the world. And you will mess up. And you will mess up. Um, And as we said last episode, and I'm bringing it back because I think it's so good, (laughs) is uh, perfectionism is protectionism. And like... Yeah, I would do all that. You can't build a relationship with walls up. Absolutely. And so be gentle with yourself. If you have a misstep and your walls go up, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But we are encouraging you to slowly bring them down. The world is really a a lovely. Yeah, build a door. A door that's not (laughs) fully locked at all times. It's okay to shut the door when people are not safe. They're, They're showing that they're not a safe investment of your emotional time and energy. And also it's okay to open the door and leave it open for some people. So yes, exactly. Yeah. And we're going to talk about like we, Martha said, you will mess it up. You for sure will mess it up. We mess it up all the time. Oh, all the time. And hooray for us. But guess what? That's also how you model how to fix mistakes Mm -hmm. because we will make mistakes and we're going to cover appropriate apologizing in this episode. You'll love it. We sure are. And I think we have a blog post about it. Yes. At some point. In the last year, probably. (laughs) Yep. I remember writing it, so I do feel like it's on the website. It's very good. Yes. If you're not connected with our website, too, you can find us at CompassionateChildCare.com. Yep. It's down in the show notes as well. Excellent. Um, Well, let's start with what I think is a really crucial ingredient in building relationships, (laughs) which is listening. Yes. Listening is what builds relationships. Listening and time together. We can lump Mm -hmm. those in the same um, kind of category because you have to do it to have a relationship. And I think we can all agree as a listener community that um, not all listening is created equal. No. And sometimes we can hear people without really listening to them. And so we're going to talk a little bit about like what can you do Um, how do you listen to someone with your whole body? What is Mm -hmm. it? Something we say in early childhood education is what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like when we're trying to teach children new skills? Like if you were listening, I wonder what it would look like, feel like, or sound like. Mm -hmm. And so the children can kind of explore these ideas of like, I I would be facing you. I would be, uh, my mouth would be closed or quiet Mm -hmm. or, you know, and that's something that we're going to explore too. Yes. Yeah. Which in grad school for therapy, they taught us about a thing called solar. Tell us all about it. And it's not solar. It's S O L E R solar. Mm -hmm. And it is sitting acronym. It's an acronym. Yes. Thank you. So, uh, you want to sit squarely Mm -hmm. towards the person Mm -hmm. that you are listening to. And if it's more than one person, then, you know, divide the difference. Yeah. You got it. (laughs) But you want to be facing them with your whole body, your shoulders and your feet. Yes. I was actually, I teach children that when you're listening, like I like to turn my toes towards the person who's talking to remind me that my body is pointed towards that person because that helps. And you'll see it at a party. Mm -hmm. If someone's toes are pointed away from you, sometimes that feels like they're on their way out of the conversation. But by inviting somebody, by turning your whole body towards them, toes, shoulders, sitting squarely, as Martha said. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees, and toes. Um, You will encourage that person that you want to be with them. Mm -hmm. And that is very important to create intimacy and vulnerability that someone will be willing to share with you things that are going on in their life is if they feel like you are listening and present and there. Yes, 
Yes, yes, yes. Also being open with your body. Mm -hmm. So uh, as Katie was just talking, I know that this is a podcast, so you couldn't see it. But but imagine if you will. But imagine if you will. She opened up the palms of her hands towards me mm-hmm. as she was just talking. And like that is a extremely good nonverbal signal yeah. that you are open yeah. and willing to fully listen to what I have to say. Yeah. Thank you, Martha. You're I welcome. appreciate that. Um <laughs> But so it's like palms open is a really good way, yes. but you don't have to just like stand there with your palms um, open. Yeah. Um, you can if that feels comfortable for your body, but you don't have to. It probably won't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but keeping your arms uncrossed, mm-hmm. um, trying to, you can cross your legs, those yeah. are usually under the table, but try again, trying to direct your body towards the person and not have like a big thing in front of you or, you know, something to, that blocks you. Right. Because it it is a subconscious message. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable being in direct communication with you. And I've even moved a, a centerpiece because I am short. <laughs> I love that. And I like literally couldn't see across, yes. <laughs> across the table. Who, who checked this for a hike? Nobody. And it was in my own home. Yeah. Um, like my parents' home, yeah. but I was just like, "Mom, I can't see." Remember <laughs> I'm going how you to make me, and I am this height because of you, Mom. Yeah, and so yeah, I I've I've rearranged and moved yes. things um, because I want to be able to see. Yes, and you know, I think that leads. I know this is kind of um, adjacent to that, but this is something that Martha and I have talked about a lot: is when you are doing an activity. Sometimes people choose to talk to you when times at times when you are currently doing something different, like yep. <laughs> sending an email or, um, for me, I'm doing homework a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm reading or I'm cooking. Um, and if someone comes and approaches you, especially if it's like, this is a, a something that's important to them. I, sometimes my brain forgets because it's in the middle of an activity and your mm-hmm. brain's trying to assess like, is this going to be a long conversation? Is this a short conversation? But if you are, have your computer open or your phone out or a book open, just simply putting your phone face down, mm-hmm. closing the book. You don't even have to put the book down. Just close the book on your lap. Mm-hmm. Um, close your computer or tilt the screen at a 45 degree angle and move it off your lap or, mm-hmm. you know, turn your chair to face them. That is a huge trust building experience because the, even if the person does not realize why you have done it or what you have done, subconsciously they have internalized, I am more important than that phone, that book, that email, that whatever. Right. And that is a relationship builder. And yeah. if you want the kids in your life to put down what they're doing when you're talking to them, like a phone uh-huh. person, and maybe the kids you're with are too young to have devices yet but they will have devices yep. and they're watching you. Mm-hmm. So when you do that with adults and with the children in your life, they learn, oh, people are more important and they naturally will model your physical behavior, yep. putting things down to look at you and talk to you. Yep. Another one Super I would love important. to add is the earbuds. That take them out of take your them ears. Out. Yeah. Even if you've paused what you're yeah. listening to and it's on the like transparent mode or whatever, still physically taking them out of your ears. It's a sign. It's a sign. Yes. Um, I love that. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Well, I just listen to podcasts almost all the time. And so, um, except when people are talking to me. And so then I make sure that I take them out of my ears. Yeah, absolutely. I also turn the volume down in the car Mm -hmm. or like yesterday I was actually, so I'm on winter break for Chicago public schools, Mm -hmm. but I was with a child that I have nannied for, for a long time. um, And we now like to see each other on break. So I was with her. And I was washing the dishes and she said something to me and I said, what? And then uh, she said it again and I said, I'm sorry. And I like turned the water off. I was like, I could not hear you because of the water. Mm-hmm. I should have realized immediately after the first time, would you mind telling me again? And she told me again and I appreciated it. I said, thank you for your graciousness and telling me a third time, even though it took me one time too many to realize that the water was in the way of me hearing you. Right. And I think that that is very valuable for people to like, oh, there's sound pollution. Not only is there like physical things blocking us, there's sound things blocking us. So if you're in the car, turn down the music, yeah. you know, turn, pause your podcast, stop and look at the person. Yeah. Not if you're driving, keep driving, right. but also turn down the, the, um, auditory clutter. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what a lovely phrase. Oh, yes. There's um, a lot of auditory clutter, you guys too. Yes. So get on board with that. Yes. And then I will also say if, 
you are in the middle of something and it is something that you cannot put down right Mm -hmm. then, acknowledging that they want to talk with you and specifying the time when you will be available to have that talk is also really wonderful for building relationships. Yes, to say, hey, I, I have a deadline in the next 10 minutes. I really need to send this out do you mind if we pause this conversation and I can come back in 10 minutes? Because I really want to hear you. (laughs) And if you have children who are interrupting each other or Mm -hmm. talking over each other, which happens in the classroom a lot, Mm -hmm. my catchphrase is, I really want to hear what you have to say. I can only listen to one person at once. Would you please wait until, you, you know, Sebastian's done or, uh, so I can hear you both. Yeah. And the kids are willing to wait. Yes. And can you imagine if you're a parent or you're a nanny and you're trying to talk with um, another adult and saying like, I really want to hear what you have to say to your four-year-old. I can only, my brain can only listen to one person at a time. Right now I'm listening to your dad. Mm-hmm. And then I want to listen to you. Can you save it in your brain for me? Because mm-hmm. I really want to hear it. They can wait. They can wait an extended period of time because they know you're coming back to them. And then you must come back to them and say, thank you so much for waiting. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. And when you are first introducing that skill, come back to them sooner rather than later. Yes. Um, Because you want that reward to hit quickly Mm -hmm. um, and then you can start elongating it. But I think sometimes people start at the like level 10 of trying. (laughs) We don't come out of the womb with those skills. Yeah. That is not a skill we have that we're born with. Right. Um, okay. So back to solar. Yeah. So we did S and O, right? <laughs> we did. Um, yeah. So back to solar is the next one is lean. So oh, like yeah. physically leaning your body towards the person. It indicates interest. It indicates interest. Exactly. Yeah. That one's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> also, sometimes matching body posture. Yeah. So I was in a class in college that was called. Um, love human biology it was something about human biology and love Mm -hmm. and um it was really interesting and one of our assignments was to go to like a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and to uh look at two people and decide if they were on a date by their body postures Mm. and when people are um connecting and emotionally interested a lot of times they mimic each other's body posture. So again, you can't see us, but Martha and I are seated in almost the exact same way. Our arms are in the exact same way. Um, My legs are up and crossed. I'm nine, almost nine months pregnant. So, (laughs) you know, actually when you listen to this, I will be maybe having a baby already. Yeah. Um, But so we have our feet are in different places, but our upper bodies are pretty, pretty mirrored. And that's a sign that you're interested in the person. So if you're, if the person's leaning back and you're leaning back, you might notice it. Now you will notice it after listening to this episode that you are accidentally mirroring, mirroring people's body language and they are doing it to you. And this is one of the things that Oprah really did quite well. Uh, I, for grad school, she's a magical lady. (laughs) She is for grad school. I had to read a book about nonverbal communication Oh yeah, and it talked about how Oprah was like literally the queen of this. Like she mirrored people's bodies so well, which is why they were willing to tell her things in interviews that they would not tell other people who interviewed. a level of comfort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. The next one is eye contact, boom, which seems simple. Um, <laughs> but again, put your phone down, close your book, yep. close your computer, turn yep. and look at the person if you can, if it's safe. And I will also say for this one, it can feel hard for children or people with neurodiverse brains. Yes, autism spectrum disorders is a challenge because yep. I can't or people from diverse cultural backgrounds because yes. gaze avoidance is a real thing mm-hmm. in a lot of cultures. It's respectful. Yep. So you offering your eye contact though is not the same as demanding it from someone else. Yes. So if you are listening and you are a person who feels comfortable with eye contact, yes. um, offering that up is a lovely invitation. Yes. Without when, when, Adults, especially to children, demand eye contact. Yeah. I really struggle with that. Um, sometimes I say, I need you to look at my mouth yeah. just to show me that you are focused. Yeah. But I don't demand direct eye contact because it can be so hard. Sure. I, I will add a, a caveat, caveat yeah. to that. Um, when you're working with really little kids, mm-hmm. uh, 
especially like toddler. I'm thinking toddlers yeah. and two year olds. Um, look at my eyes is a way to gain their attention. Yes. And so that is something that I would use when I was in a toddler's classroom. I was right. like, look in my eyes. That's not safe. We can't throw the blocks because the blocks are hard. Yeah. Here's what you can do. And that kind of recenters them. And then mm-hmm. actually the kids in the classroom were using it with each other. Aww. They'd be like, look at my, my eyes. eyes. Please don't push me. It's not safe. <laughs> and so they're learning these things, but it it is a way to kind of enter into a contract with someone. Yep. Um, however, like you said, there are many neurodiverse people and, and there will be challenges looking mm-hmm. in the eyes. And especially if you're saying something emotionally vulnerable, right. it will be harder to do that. And if you are neurodiverse, because I have a friend who is neurodiverse who, when they were learning to make eye contact, um, they went from not making eye contact to making unyielding Um, eye contact. So if you are neurodiverse, people look away from each other. It's Mm -hmm. like I I check in with your eyes, I look over to the side, I come back to your eyes, and that's normal for how people communicate, or or not normal necessarily, but typical, I guess, of eye contact. And it's okay to look away from the person temporarily and come back and check in with their eyes and look away and come back. Yep, exactly. Pro tip. Pro tip. (laughs) Um, Just, but eye contact is a lovely way to invite someone in. Yeah. um, And just show that you're listening. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is relax. Yeah, just chill, you guys. Just Just like chillax. Yeah. Um, Although that would be so I will say that's a hard one for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, confess your sins, Katie. <laughs> I think that I am somebody who is so task focused a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Um, I can be a bit of a task master, which is sounds really nice. And also <laughs> um, in practice can be challenging for relationships. And yeah. so I have to actively, especially in a work relationship, make time to be like, we're going to talk about <laughs> things about your children or your mm-hmm. home life or uh, because I, I can steamroll for tasks to be like, we got to do this. We got to get this done. We don't, we only have a limited amount of time to achieve whatever, right. especially when I was the full-time classroom teacher with right. a co-teacher. It was like, there's, they don't pay teachers enough for the nope. time that they put in. And there's so much to do. And there's so much, so much of that job. And I will say caring for children is exactly the same. So much of that job, there is not enough time in the day to do everything that you would like to achieve that day. So true. And so giving yourself time to be like, this is actually connecting with someone is is actually part of what I'm supposed to be doing today. Yeah. It is productive. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that. Um, I guess I could lead into it right now. Yeah. So, so when you are making time to build a relationship that is productive because you're building an emotional bank account. Mm-hmm. And again, we have another blog post about this as sure well do. on our website. Um, also written by the lovely Katie. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I really love social emotional yeah. things. And you're so um, good at it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, that's another one we should add to the list for today is recognizing other people like, yeah. for what they what they bring to the table that's special or unique. Mm -hmm. That's not on our list, but keep that in mind, everyone. If you say something or if you see something, say something positively. Yes. And specifically. Positively and specifically. So the emotional bank account is the idea that you have to spend time and um, connection to Mm -hmm. be able to make a withdrawal. So Mm -hmm. some, they're like relationship researchers out there, people, which you've probably heard if you've listened to the podcast before, Mm -hmm. especially the Gottmans, who I love. Um, They are love researchers. And there is a ratio. Some people say three to one, the Gottmans, I think say four to one. And some people say five to one, positive to negative interactions to maintain a positive relationship with someone. That's true of adults and it's true of children. Mm -hmm. So... If you are continually having negative interactions, you are overdrafting that bank account and listening like this, giving this time and energy to someone is a way to deposit in that emotional bank account. So when you do make a withdrawal, mm-hmm. you c- withdrawal uh, with yeah. an L, when you do make a withdrawal, you can say like, you know, I love to give you choices, which is another, I'm sure yeah. we've written blog. I don't know if actually we've written a blog on that one yet, but I know that we have, um, talked about it on the podcast a hundred billion times. Um, 
I love to give you choices. And right now, this is not a choice because it's not safe. We can't run into the street. Right. Would you like to hop or skip down the sidewalk to get to the, the coffee store or whatever? Yeah. Um, so when you make that withdrawal, that relationship is positive already. Mm-hmm. So they're allowed, they're willing to give you that grace. They're allowing you that space to be like, okay, yeah, uh, mom's right. She does often <laughs> let me make choices. Right. And that's really important. Yep. And then offering the choice right after that puts one of those little withdrawal Redirections. points back yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it gives back dignity to the mm-hmm. child or the person, the adult, to be like, you know, I would love to um, go to your work event. I have a work event myself that night. Right. I'm really sorry. Would you like to maybe meet up for dinner afterwards mm-hmm. or spend a special like Saturday to go out and celebrate these two work events? I wish I could be there. Yep. You know, something like that to give back that like connection piece. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so as we're listening, there comes a point in every conversation where you have to talk again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and so, and there are certain ways that you can do that. You can communicate back that, invite more connection. Yeah, like reflective listening. Reflective listening is a wonderful example, Katie. For our friends out there, what is reflective listening? (laughs) Reflective listening is saying back what you are hearing Mm -hmm. and seeing, Mm -hmm. especially the emotion that is being presented. Yes. And sometimes it's underneath everything. Yes. Um, So if your spouse is talking about the annoying things that are happening at work. If they are just like, oh, today, let me tell you. And you've done your solar and you're listening. And then you might say, wow, that sounds really frustrating Mm -hmm. because that is the emotion that is going on underneath all of that. Yes, you're validating. You're reflecting back that unmet need or that uh, feeling that they are experiencing. And they feel at that point understood. Mm -hmm. I will also add here if you feel like someone keeps talking to you about the same thing over and over again, uh-huh. whether it's in this moment of 20 minutes or if it is um, over the course of a year and a half, it's because <laughs> something that they are trying to th- express has not been validated. Right. And so if you can often find that underlying feeling or frustration or what they're looking for, a lot of times that need to talk about that dissipates. Yep. And so offering, you know, I have a friend who had a conflict with her family for a really long time and it was emotionally taxing to right. hear about it so much. Cause it was like, I love my friend. I want my friend to be happy. I also think it would be valuable for them to repair that relationship because it wasn't beyond repair. Right. Um, but it was just like neither party was ready yet. And so it was mm-hmm. hard to hear it a lot because you love your friend. You don't want them to suffer. And then I found the more that I emptied myself of trying Mm. to like solve the problem for them and just reflected feelings back to that person. Mm -hmm. It really helped them come closer to their family because they were able to feel validated in the space that wasn't in their family circle. So they were able to come back to their family feeling like they had released some of that steam, that pressure. Yep. 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 And that's that ripple in the pond that we talked about is that for the, for that person, they were able to have kind of a healing experience with you through you reflecting back what they were saying and the unmet need and the feelings. Exactly. We had an acting teacher in college once who um, would always say like, if you, the surefire way to like kill a scene Mm -hmm. is if you take the lid off the pot. Mm. So if a pot is starting to boil and it's covered, it's going to boil over. And that makes an interesting acting scene. Right. And it, it's makes a lively experience in real life, but in real life we want to take the lid off the pot Mm -hmm. for the people that we love because that keeps it from boiling over and it allows it to simmer and it allows it to be more of a controlled experience. They don't, reach dysregulation as quickly. And so what makes for an interesting play does not make for a comfortable life. Right. Keep that in mind. That's why plays are so dramatic at times. Yep. Um, but you want to help the, the loved ones in your life take the lid off the pot and likewise for you and that you do that by reflective listening. Yep. And then we'll also, we've said this on the pod a lot of times, but we'll also say um, 
saying, do you want help solving this problem or do you want me to hold space? Yeah, just um, listen. Yeah. yeah, do you want me to just listen or do you want help solving this problem yeah. can be a great way to identify what they're looking for. And they might not know. Yes. The first time you ask that to someone, I asked it to someone for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago and they were like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by that? And so you might have to explain it and then like let them really mull it over. Absolutely. Well, and another great way, if you're not sure what people are trying to express to you, this mm -hmm. is something we also say on the podcast a lot. Um, and people in our lives have adopted is tell me more. Yep. I also say, say more words. I say that yeah. too. <laughs> one of my friends, I said that and yeah. she just said random words. Yeah. She was she like, was like beeswax, understand. candle, <laughs> penguin. More specific words about this thing. Yeah. yeah. But I think inviting people to tell you more, especially when you're not entirely clear on what they are looking for. Right. Um, helps you and it helps them because it, some people do externally process. I am an internal yeah. processor. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you until I'm certain about what I want to say. And there's some people who are like, I and need I to. am an external yes. processor. In fact, if I don't talk it out with somebody, I not, really yeah. struggle, which is why like therapy has been such yes. a boon for me. It's very valuable. <laughs> because like <laughs> everybody go to therapy. It's yeah. Really what first of all, everyone go to therapy. And second of all, <laughs> it like really has helped me Absolutely. like be able to, to do it faster too. Yeah. And not that that's the goal, and it's but a skill you're practicing yeah. in that space is that, I'm going to look and I, I also will say, my mom asked me once, I also am in therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was like, will you ever like graduate from therapy? Mm -hmm. And I was like, some people do, they're working on a specific thing. Yep. And it's like that I've, I've solved it. I feel good. I'm done with this. And that's processing. called brief solution focused therapy. I love it. I didn't even know there was a name yep. for it. That's yep. really cool. <laughs> um, for me, help me with this name. Mine, I would just call it maintenance therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And, Sometimes I show up to therapy. I was like, I got nothing to talk about, but we're going to be here because again, it's taking the lid off the pot. And right. sometimes there is stuff that's there that I don't even know is there, Yep. but it is, it is for me, I have like low levels of anxiety. Yep. And if I am not doing that as a wellness check, mm -hmm. it can get out of hand. And so for me, it is a great relief and um, joy to have this time to kind of like discuss and have like a listening ear, mm -hmm. which I don't, again, I was telling Martha, I was like, my, my knit circle of people I trust is quite small. Actually, <laughs> I'm somebody again, as maybe, a, maybe cause I'm an introvert, but I really value the character of people. And I'm very specific about who I let into my inner circle. Mm -hmm. And I think that having a therapist is helpful because it's like, I trust that this person, they're legally obligated <laughs> to, <laughs> to be a keeper of your secrets. Yes. Or like not openly discuss you as a person right. and, um, kind of blab it all over. You know, that to yeah. me is, I trust is so important. And I think that that is something a lot of people don't get. So, yeah. but you can be that person by practicing these skills and building this relationship and you're building trust by listening to people reflectively, by um, being an available, active listener. Yep. And you also build trust by apologizing appropriately. Yes. And I, this is a gift my parents gave us. We had to do this as children. Mm -hmm. They uh, went to something called Marriage Encounter, which was through our church mm -hmm. growing up. And um, it's kind of like couples counseling once a month for people who attend these um, and they learn to communicate. They like practice dialogue and they do all these special skills. And um, that are, again, I don't think we come out of the womb knowing them. Nope. But it, it would be nice yeah. if we did. But appropriate apologizing is four parts. Again, we have a blog post about this. We already mentioned it. Yep. Um, it is four parts. And we're going to walk you through them right now because you are going to mess it up. Just allow yourself that grace yep. right now. And keep in mind that it is not the... It is not the act of messing it up that causes harm in relationship. It is the lack of repair and amends making. Amend making, making amends mm -hmm. is um, almost more important than apologizing, but appropriate apologies is the first step in right. making amends. So if you don't mind, Martha, do yeah. you mind if I tell the phrase and you tell what it is doing? Yep. Okay. I would love that. So the first part of an appropriate apology is... I am sorry that I, not I am sorry that you feel, I am sorry if I, 
I am sorry. If you feel that I, it is I am sorry that I. Or and even say I am sorry about. Yeah. Um, how I acted. Yep. What I said when I was. You need you need hungry. the I yes. part in yeah. there. Yeah. I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry. Yes. Um, and that's accountability. Yes. It's it's taking accountability for what you did. Yes. Um, that was harmful. Yes. Because a lot of times that is the step that is skipped. And that is the most damaging thing you can do when you're trying to apologize is breezing past. And I think we think if I don't say they're more likely to forgive me, if I don't say what I did, I won't remind (laughs) them of how I hurt their feelings and what I did that was wrong. But you need to do that because that person to rebuild that trust needs to know that you know Mm -hmm. what you did that was painful. Yep. And without that, it is hard to rebuild that trust. Super hard. Yes. I am sorry that I blank. And then the second part is it was wrong because, and then you say why it was wrong. Yep. And that shows understanding and that you've begun processing it, that you've Mm -hmm. done some of the work already. Yes. Because I think part of (laughs) um, the struggle that we have kind of as a, as a culture is that we don't do the work ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then we're just like in the moment floundering around. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so having started some of that work by yourself, or if you are like me and need to externally process, having a trusted person to start processing that with can be really important. Yes. And I think too, that, that gift that you're giving them of, acknowledging that it was wrong because if they didn't pick up on the fact that you know you did something I am sorry that I blank Mm -hmm. and then saying out loud it was wrong because that validates like we said it's validating their feelings right which again is allowing it's showing that you processed it it's showing Mm -hmm. them that like that it allows them to lower their defenses yeah and to feel like wow you really did do the work and you have been thinking about this and it is not like a flippant Like I, oh boy, do I hate the, I, sorry, I said, sorry. It's mostly kids who say that Yeah, because they use it as a get out of jail free card Mm -hmm. because they've learned that it is. We (laughs) say, what could you say to them to make them, um, feel better? And they're like, sorry. And it's like, no, actually like, it's not okay that this thing happened. And so teaching kids a lot of times in early childhood, instead of like teaching them to say, sorry, Mm -hmm. we're like, ask them like, how can I help you feel better? Mm -hmm. Because it's not necessarily, we don't want them to apologize if they don't mean it. We only want them to apologize if they truly feel remorse. Right. And forcing them to apologize gets in the way of feeling true remorse. Yep. So that's something to like keep in mind as you're (laughs) molding young minds that forcing children to apologize is actually kind of a step backwards in the amend amends making process. Yep. And I will say that that's a place that children get hung up. I think where adults get hung up is that they focus on their intention. Yes. Instead of the impact to do that. Yeah. Yep. And so that's where we get the, I'm sorry if you felt because they are coming from a place of where their intention was when you are making an appropriate apology, you are apologizing for the impact. Yes not your intention. And I think there's space too, to add Mm -hmm. that in, to say, I am so sorry that I um, said this phrase. Mm -hmm. I had no idea it was offensive. Mm -hmm. It was wrong because I should have been more aware and cognizant of your feelings. I did not, I really did not think of that. And I am so sorry. And then the next phrase is, Mm -hmm. next time I will. So you have, I'm sorry that I blank, Uh, It was wrong because blank. Next time I will blank. Mm -hmm. And that's an important, then you say what you're going to do next time to not do the thing you're apologizing for. (laughs) Right, right. And that shows true remorse. Mm -hmm. And then also the change that you are going to do because... Otherwise, (laughs) why are we even talking about this? It's hard to rebuild trust if a person thinks that it's just going to happen again. Yes, and so often 
it does happen again. Yeah. Because people have not done this step. Right. To think in advance, I'm going to make a plan. Mm-hmm. Be- and it shows that you're important to that person, mm-hmm. that uh, you value them, that you love them, that they're important to you. I don't know how I said it the first time, but it, both are yeah. true. You're important to them and they're important to you. And you are going to make the necessary steps to show them that they're valuable, that it's not just an empty apology, yep. which again, builds trust. And if it is something that has happened several times, yes, you can say, I know that <laughs> this is a repeated problem. This I'm is a repeated with. problem that I'm struggling with. I appreciate your grace as I figure this out. Yes. I, this is my plan yes. based on <laughs> what the cycle that I'm in. Yes. Um, this is my plan to try to break this. Um, because I care about, because you. I really care about you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then the last step is I hope you can forgive me. Mm-hmm. Or you could even say, I, I would I wouldn't ask for forgiveness. I would say I hope you can forgive me. Yeah. Because saying, Will you forgive me makes them answer right away. Right. I hope you can forgive me allows space for them. It's res- like it's just allowing space for them to decide, to mm-hmm. take time to think about their feelings and process them. And you are not forcing them to do something right away. Right, right. There is also, oh, and, and that's an invitation. Sorry. Yeah. And respect. It shows <laughs> and, respect, and respect for that person. Yeah. yeah. Invitation and respect. It got me thinking about, um, there is a fantastic podcast episode of Brene Brown's podcast yeah. that um, Harriet Lerner, who wrote The Dance of Anger, yes. is on. Um, and it's actually a two-parter. And it talks about appropriate apologizing. Yeah. Um, so if this is something that you are hearing and you're like, wow, that sounds so interesting. Or wow, no one's ever appropriately apologized yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah I, I want to know more. Well, one, go read the blog post because mm-hmm. there is more there and it's lovely. But then... If you want even more than that, um, that interview is just, it's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's something that our society doesn't have. Um, I will say that when I worked at, um, like in food service, we were taught, you never say you're sorry to the customer because it implies liability. And I was like, that's dumb. (laughs) I'm going to do that because again, most people, if you give them an appropriate apology, and reflect their feelings, mm-hmm. that's where it ends. Yep. That's where it ends. They feel valued, they feel validated, and they feel like they can let it go. Yep. But if you don't, they're going to keep going and going and going. Right. And so giving space to allow that apology is really, really important. Sure is. Yes, girl. It's very, I think you will, even if you stopped listening to this episode right here, you'd be like, oh, dang. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it re- it's it's life changing. It is, yeah. Once you start appropriately apologizing, and then the lovely thing is that people start appropriately apologizing yes, to you because back. they show back. They feel like, wow, that was actually really effective. They internalize that. Yep. So that is important. My next life changing suggestion that I think we should talk about is also from the Gottmans, mm-hmm. which uh, they were the people who we kind of based the emotional bank account off of. Um, is bids for connection. Yeah. And they did, so the Gottmans do like research on couples, romantic Mm -hmm. relationships and you come, it's like a bed and breakfast sort of thing. And except for that, you have a heart rate monitor strapped to you and they're recording your interactions as a couple. And they could tell with scary accuracy who would still be together in 10 years and who would not based on how they interacted. And one of these things that they noticed were people who respond to bids for connection. What is a bid for connection? Um, it is a, it can be verbal or nonverbal. Yes. Um, but a kind of a, a questioning of like, do you love me? <laughs> I mean, that really is what will it is. Will you pay attention? Yeah, will you yeah. pay attention? Yeah. So it, but it can be anything from like, hey, I read this news article yeah. the other day to um, like a touch on the shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. Or oh, look at that bird. Yeah, or, look at that bird. I've read this article. I think you'd love it. Like you said, like yeah. Martha. Martha's bids for connection is she will give you books. Yep. <laughs> she loves you. She wants you to read the book. She wants, she's laughing so hard right I'm now. I'm laughing so hard because it's so <laughs> true. <laughs> it's Martha's bid for connection. She's like, I love you. I want to talk to you about this book. Yep. And that is something that is like, that's that's her bid for connection. Yep. Um, it can also be like, hey, um, 
did you did you try this like queso dip? Yeah. And then like that's no, also one of you, my bits yeah. for connection. <laughs> even if you didn't try the queso dip, or you weren't like, oh, I really hope I get to eat the queso dip. If you try it, that's a connection that mm-hmm. you go to. You're getting to share. And so if you're reliably responding to bids for connection from your partner or your child or other humans in your life who are at work with you, that is building relationship. And that is actually one of the really important aspects they found kept people together over decades Yep, is, are you responding? If your partner says, Hey, look at that beautiful green car out there. Are you going over to the window to look or are you not acknowledging or are you just indifferent. All right. Like what, are, what is it yeah. that you're doing? Are you too busy? So mm-hmm. keeping in mind these bits for connection is so easy once you start noticing it too. Yeah. To just take not even 30 seconds and look out the window mm-hmm. and make one comment like, wow, that is like a neon green. I've never seen a car that color before. Yeah. And that is, that can be the end of it. Yep. It's very valuable. It helps you feel connected. And I will say that children do this all the time. All oh humans do, gosh. but <laughs> particularly children. And one of my like great frustrations um, with the the adultism that I see in mm-hmm. the world, the, the fact that we value adults more than we value children, um, is that I think a lot of times things that interest children are... Uh, thought of as frivolous. Mm -hmm. And so look at this cool rock. Yeah. (laughs) Like becomes... Mama, there's a snail. Yeah. Yeah. Or like that bulldozer (laughs) or whatever it is, you know, like so many things or even like Captain Underpants. Yeah. As much as Captain Underpants does annoy me, (laughs) I have read them because... It, it matters yeah. to children yeah. that I very deeply care about. Yeah. And that's <laughs> that giving a chance to connect over that. It That's investment in your yep. relationship. Again, whether it's an adult or um, it's a child. And I mean, like we, we all have different interests and that's normal. Mm-hmm. I think shared values is where people really connect and also making time to it builds intimacy to that's what makes dating exciting is you're sharing parts of yourself, learning about other things in the world that you're not familiar with and learning from these really interesting people. That's what makes it exciting is you're revealing a little bit of yourself, getting to see a little bit of themselves, like going back and forth is what builds that intimacy and makes that, that first part of a relationship so exciting. And also you can keep having that with your partner if you keep doing that. Yeah. So continuing to be like, Oh, like you like this movie that I would never think of to watch. Like my husband is like, he likes monsters and like spooky Mm -hmm. stories. I am like the opposite of that. (laughs) I used to like it when I was younger more, but I will watch them usually on a Saturday morning. Right. (laughs) That's our joke is like, that's a 10 a.m. Sunday morning movie, actually. That's not for nighttime. (laughs) That's not for nighttime. Um, And he, just to have that time to connect, he is happy to watch them at that time. And it gives us something new to talk about. It gives us new ideas and it makes him feel loved that I'm taking the time to do it. And likewise, he talks about child development things with me and like it makes time to hear about my grad school, which I'm sure he's not like, oh, I'm really dying to hear about language development in infancy to age eight. Right. But it is something that makes a space for us to connect on. And that's very valuable. Yes. And I, I to add to that, will say that you do not have to understand what they are talking about Absolutely. in order to connect over it. Yeah. Um, that's I, where your tell me more comes in. That's where your tell me more comes in. Because I think that that's where a lot of people get caught too, is that they don't understand what the other person is saying. And so they shut down right? Um, because maybe they feel inferior or... Um, or they just are like, I don't, that's, I don't get it. They feel pressure to <laughs> respond to. Yep. I think so much of our culture is... Um, listening to respond and actually listening to understand is a more valuable thing. So much more valuable. And if you'll ever try this, if you feel brave, when people are talking to you, instead of responding right away, just keep your mouth shut and shake your head yes and see if they keep going because usually they will. Amy Bowler talks about that in her memoir. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she says when she learned to allow for silence, Mm -hmm. she was like, I felt so much more powerful because I mean, she, in that particular thing, she was talking about being in a room full of men, a lot of her 
comedy, early comedy career, she was almost entirely surrounded by men. Sure. And she was like, I was trying to like fill in the gaps. Yeah. Um, and when I just let silence exist, uh, I felt a lot more powerful. Absolutely. You don't feel like you're bending over backwards. Mm -hmm. And it allows people who are slower to process, mm -hmm. like your introverts of the world. Yeah to have time to think and then respond. And if you're working with children too, yep. that is extraordinarily valuable because it takes, so communication, I'm actually in like a billion language classes this <laughs> semester now. Um, communication is a series of encoding and decoding. Mm -hmm. So every time that I say any word to Martha, usually words in like a sequence, right? Because right. a word in, in and of itself does not really convey a message. Like shoe, you're like, okay, what about the shoe? Do you like shoes? Do you need new shoes? Do you have no shoes? <laughs> Do you hate shoes? Is the shoe on fire? Did you lose your shoe? Yeah, yeah. And so, but I'm when I'm communicating to Martha, I am using a series, I'm taking my thoughts, I am encoding them to give to Martha in the form of sounds, which are arbitrary sounds that make little sense with what <laughs> they represent. Yep. She's taking that representation that I have encoded for her, she is decoding it so she understands my message. Like if I'm talking about the ocean, we both have an image of what the ocean is. Right. And then she's decoding the message, understanding what I mean. Then she has to respond in her brain, mm -hmm. then encode the message and give it back to me yeah. with more representational images. And for adults, we do it quite lightning fast, mm -hmm. which is magical. That I mean, and we a lot of kids up at four years old are already doing it lightning fast, right? Which is extraordinary if you're typically developing. However, when they're little, they do still need extra time. So if you're asking a child to do something, or you're asking them a question for connection, or you're saying like, "Let's get our shoes." count to 20. We say, again, we say this on the podcast a lot, count to 20 in your head because they need time to process what you've said. They have to decode it and then force their body or brain to give a response. Right. And it takes them longer because those neural pathways are newer Yeah. and less deeply entrenched. They have less practice. So yeah. Give space for that. I will also say that um, one of the phrases that I've gotten from a different podcast, like I said, I listen to podcasts like all the time, <laughs> um, from the My Brother, My Brother and Me podcast. They, It's three brothers. Yeah. Um, and they, if one of them starts a bit and the other ones don't join them, if they make a bid for connection yeah. and the other ones don't join them, they have the phrase, play in this space with me. Oh. That. And I have started using it yeah. and it's so lovely because it's saying like, get I'm in here. Yeah, <laughs> get in here. Like, yeah. I want to be playful with you right yeah. now. Like, please, yeah. <laughs> yeah. please. Yes. And me yeah. is basically what it's asking yeah. for. But I just love it. Play in the space with me. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really valuable. And I also think um, the opposite is also valuable. Yeah. And um, as I've mentioned, I'm pregnant and about <laughs> to have a baby, probably already having a baby by the time this is releasing. Yeah. Um, but like uh, there's anxiety and life change that comes with that. And yeah. sometimes for me personally, when I am um, struggling or expressing something, I have the most wonderfully supportive husband. She really does. I really He's am so, great. so lucky, <laughs> you guys. So blessed, so lucky. Um Sometimes I can tell he's going to say something supportive and nice. And, uh -huh. But if I'm not in that space, I'm like, don't say anything nice. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it makes us both laugh, but yeah. it's like, I'm not ready to hear like something nice. I, I need yeah. to wallow a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's okay to make space for that too. Yeah. To, well, then you could say wallow in the space with me. Yeah, wallow. <laughs> Wallow with me. Get with in me. here. <laughs> <laughs> the water is great. We're yeah. sad. Yeah. But um, I think that that is really also valuable because expressing what you need and what you would like to happen in a respectful way is also a relationship builder. Yes. Yeah. We can talk about that too because we got a whole podcast about that as well. And, yeah. Um, we do. Uh, uh, Nonverbal communication. Nonviolent. Nonviolent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I combined. Yes, I like it. Nonviolent communication. Yeah. And so for a brief overview of that too, it's like you express what you are needing. Um, you usually say like, I, I have a, I feel sad. First you say you're feeling. Yep. I feel sad. I feel, I, I use IFAB. Big. 
I feel about because. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I feel about because. Yeah. So I feel sad about the fact that you or I feel sad that I sat here alone um, because you were running behind. Next time, would you be willing to set your alarm earlier or whatever it is? Yeah. Timeliness, because timeliness and knowing what to expect is really important to me. Yep. Because, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you exactly say that <laughs> you say you're feeling you say the underlying need. So mm-hmm. and, and the need is not a control. So that's right. the other thing is you can't do it to control. So um, like because I have a need for connection. Yep. Or and so that's like a think of a one word. I have a need for unity. I have a need for communication. I have a need for um, like emotional comfort or, mm-hmm. you know, connection. I've already said that one. But yeah. You but it's, it's a really yeah. good one. Yeah, like, thank you. Connection is a, a pretty big, good catch-all. Big umbrella, yeah. If you if yeah. you can't think of another one, yeah. connection probably gets you there. Yeah, and next time, if you're willing, would you be willing to let me know in advance how late you're going to be Yeah. so that I can prepare? I woke up this morning, you guys. I was coming to meet Martha. Yeah. I woke up late, and I was like, immediately when I woke up late, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and text Martha that I'm going to be 30 minutes late because I already know that I'm going to be 30 minutes late. Yep. And giving and, you that space. And it, it helped me so much. Yeah, that way you don't have to rush around. It's yep. respectful. Yep. It gives you time and space to have like a more leisurely morning. So yep. you don't have to like And break I still forgot to eat breakfast. Well, you know, but, but it's, it's okay. good to still. <laughs> <laughs> Snacks are good at any time of yeah, day. Yeah, that's true. But giving yourself that space to express what you need. Mm-hmm. Because we are responsible for ourselves. Right. So if you have a need or a want, you ought not. <laughs> I was going to say may not, but that's not necessarily true because you probably do it sometimes. You mm-hmm. ought not punish other people for your unexpressed needs and wants. Yep. Because if they don't know, they no one can read your mind. Nope. No one. Nor should they be expected to. Right. Because that's not respectful. Mm-mm. The respectful and responsible thing to do is to tell another person, even if they're a child. And hey, real quick, compassionate compassionate caregivers just come here for just a second real quick get in the space with us you might think that you can read other people's minds because you have developed really good caregiving skills and you're intuitive and you're intuitive you cannot and you should not try (laughs) you can say what you see you can say what you see yeah you can say like hey i'm noticing your face is looking crinkled are you feeling sad right now? Mm-hmm. And then they can respond yes or no and then say, do you know why? What what happened? And they say, I don't know. You can say, I noticed that you started to have a crinkly face when your friend said they couldn't meet us at the pool anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think it has something to do with that? Yep. And again, you can ask kind of searching questions to help someone kind of... Um, not Get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, not like disintegrate. Connect the dots. Yeah. Kind of like help them to understand. Because oh, integrate? Is that what you're maybe, thinking? Like yeah. integrate all the information for yeah. themselves? Because a lot of times kids need help with that. Yeah. And a lot of times adults need help for with that. For sure. And so giving yourself an opportunity to do that without assuming mm-hmm. that that's what it is. Yeah. Saying like, I noticed this happened. And that's mm-hmm. another thing with nonviolent communication. Yes. I noticed that like last week you came home late three times. Mm-hmm. Are things really stressful at work? I really miss you. I have like our I have time, a need for connection. Yeah, I have a need <laughs> for connection and our time outside of work is really valuable. And also I'm just wondering like, how are you doing? Are yeah. you feeling like overrun at work? Is there something we can do to like ease that pressure? Right. And I think that that is something that people forget to do is that yeah. their loved one is also someone with needs and feelings and wants as, yeah. and we forget about our own. Yeah. So expressing that respectfully also invites them to do it, which is who doesn't want their partner or child or coworker to express what they want respectfully. Yep. That's a huge trust builder and relationship builder. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Katie, (laughs) we didn't talk about naming the feeling and leaving space to say no. We kind of talked about naming the feeling and reflective yes. listening. So, yeah. Quick caveat. Caveat? Caveat. I know I've done yeah. this twice now. Which it's one okay. is the right one? Caveat? I think it's caveat. But I think it's like fancy and fancy. It's like caveat. Oh, no, caveat. Yeah. <laughs> um, a quick note. I'll just adjust my language. Yeah. A quick note about when you're feeling, and I'm looking at Martha's feeling pillow actually right now. When you're feeling <laughs> certain feelings, especially anger, that's mm-hmm. a secondary emotion. 
it comes after something that feels worse to feel. It's mm-hmm. protective. Yep. So, and also a lot of um, like self-help or psychological, um, what would, what's the word? Psychological counselors or, yeah. yeah. A lot of people believe that anger is, is about yourself. Right. So if you're feeling angry, that's because someone has said something or done something that has activated a, usually a false belief you have about yourself. Yeah. A wound, something that is, um, about you and not necessarily about what happened. Yep. And so if you can underlie, see what's underlying that feeling of anger, it dissipates mm-hmm. by being like, oh, I actually feel embarrassed or, mm-hmm. or um, anxious or sad or fearful or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling this and it's not about the dishes. Right. I just feel unacknowledged. Yep. And so getting to that and like, that's hard for me. So I, I know I've said this in the nonviolent communication episode. I just, am like, I feel sad. That's the only one that I can really reach for yeah. quickly, but naming the feeling and the, the underlying feeling, the first feeling is really important for, um, helping people understand what you're experiencing too. Yeah. So, and, and building vulnerable. off of that, like it also anger, can also show you where you've had a boundary violation. Absolutely. And it might have been an unspoken boundary. Absolutely. And so that investigation of what is actually going on internally for you that you were just talking about, Mm -hmm. that is the work that will help you know the boundary that you need to set and verbalize um, in order to have that unmet need met. Absolutely. (laughs) And you know, you actually just reminded me, Martha, of... Do you remember like a hundred years ago when you had first started the podcast, we did a conflict resolution episode Yeah, and we talked about conflict is actually a, an opportunity. It's a good thing. Yep. It's an opportunity to love someone better yep. and to learn. And keeping that in mind is when you experience that conflict or you have that fear, that anger, whatever that is, that is an opportunity to learn about your loved one or about yourself mm-hmm. and see what needs to change because you can do something different from that. Yeah. So, and, and there's, there's a valuable. lot of power in that. Yeah. And when you ask for behavior changes in people, give them space to say yep. no because they might not, that might not be okay with them. Right. And then if they say no, you say, okay, would you be willing to help me come up with some ideas that, that might work better for the both of us together? Yep. And again, we talk about inviting children to say no. That gives them a sense of autonomy. It helps them to be less likely to be assaulted later in life yep. because they they know that their no should be respected. Mm-hmm. So giving them and a chance practice. to practice. Yes, yes. No. <laughs> I was telling Martha earlier today that I had I was with that child I had nannied for before, and um, I was like, "Would you do me a favor?" And she was like, "Okay." And I was like, "Wait, <laughs> pause, because you get to say no <laughs> if you don't want to." I was like, first listen, yes. and let me rephrase. If you are willing, would you mind doing me this favor? Mm-hmm. Don't say anything yet. I'm going to keep going." And right. so, I it was it was like a laundry thing to yeah. go down and look at which swimsuits were hers or her mom's, and. Um, which famously, she doesn't love going in the basement. She does not. That's where the paper towels <laughs> yep. are as well. Yes, indeed. Um, she Actually, she was like, if it involves stairs, the answer is no, <laughs> is what she started with. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, it does involve stairs. So, so listen before you say, okay. <laughs> um, but And then she did end up doing it. I was like, you don't have to do it. Right. I'm just wondering if you you would be willing to do that. Um, and she wanted to do it, but when you give people space to say no, they feel empowered and they feel respected and they're more likely, this is not a reason to do it, but they're more likely to cooperate because they feel like they have a choice yep. and we rail against things where we feel powerless. Yeah. And so giving that dignity and that power to that person, whether it's your romantic partner, your co-parent, your co-caregiver, your boss, your employee, your child, mm-hmm. your friend, that is a powerful skill in building relationship because that person feels like I'm not being controlled by my loved one. Right. I am someone that they respect and they allow me to make choices about what I think is appropriate. Very valuable. We hope you try it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, again, they're more likely to give you a chance to say no. So true. Yeah. All right. I think we did it. Wrap it up, y'all. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Try these things. Tell us what you think. Yeah. Write in with questions. Maybe Please we'll do. have one episode a month where people write in with questions I that would we love can answer. That. that would be really great. 
Yeah. If you've got burning questions, please write in because we've got answers. And if we don't, we'll find out. We'll get you some answers. We both love reading and learning and exploring. Internet detectives over yep. here. Yes. We truly are. You can email us at hello at compassionatechildcare.com. If you have any questions you want us to address on the podcast, we would love to um, answer them. And you could maybe indicate if you're okay with us saying your first name mm-hmm. and repeating the question on air. That would be so helpful. Yeah. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. Uh, You could really be spending your time doing anything. And the fact (laughs) that you are here listening to us um, is really meaningful to us and and meaningful to those in your life. It shows that you are a compassionate caregiver. It sure does. And we're so glad to be a part of your community. We are. Have a great week. Compassionate Caregiver Podcast is produced and hosted by Katie Anderson and Martha Tyler. If you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, please consider becoming a Patreon member. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Compassionate Caregiver Pod and on Twitter at C Childcare LLC. To contact us, email hello at compassionatechildcare.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.